What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Midwest Hines Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Braden Tolls. To my left, Colton Lawson. We're back for a <clears throat> quick part two. Yep, quick part two. I, I did not think that there was even going to be a part two, but part one ended up being its own deal. Yeah, and I think it was good. It was a good conversation. We just kind of... It was. I, I got to refrain myself from bringing anything up that we just talked about, or else I feel like we'll go another 45 minutes to an hour. But jumping in, I guess, to the second part of this podcast is food plots. Yep. So to give a little background, we've been doing, growing up, we always did, we we messed around. We, yep. da- we dabbled in food plots, kind of like basically what glorified throw and grows that a lot of people are using. And when you say we... We're talking about you. Me and my dad. Yeah. We did not, that. Not me, guys. No, no. I am very green when it comes to the food plot game. Yep. Um, we grew up around ag, so like I understood like a lot of row crop stuff. But we were trying to make it work. And then the last <clears throat> last four years, we've been doing it. I guess I, I should say I've been doing it um, like professionally. We're doing a lot of custom food plots for people, going to, you know, planting a lot of food plots for people. I feel like if you are planting food plots for people you're it's it's a professional thing at that point you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like so, if you're getting hired on to do a job that's professional yeah and, and we've kind of we've some years are busier than others i think the busiest year we've had we did close to 300 acres in, in a year Dang, is, is that a lot like that's a lot that's a lot i don't, I don't really know the market when it comes to independent food plot contractors yeah that was a lot in a we had a couple couple big ranches that really helped us out sure bump that up but the numbers i would say on average each year we do about 150 acres that's about average um um, with the equipment now we can knock it out pretty quick so you know what just go so i'm not even gonna not even gonna ask yet i would say the first with by the time this comes out it'll be you know pretty close the to when we like to sp- uh, do the majority of our spring spring planning, and I run on a twelve month out of the year system for my properties. Okay, so I look. I've always done, and it's there's a lot of studies on this. Bigger does throw bigger buck fawns. So what we so what I look for, I look for all my spring plants, and I I've always that's interesting. Yeah, healthier that's does very interesting. Healthier does. No, I'm not just saying bigger. I mean, bigger bodies is one of the things, but you can also say healthier does. If if a doe has 100% of her nutritional needs being met, sure. that buck fawn will come out on average uh, 10 to 30% bigger when he's six, six years old. I can send you the study. 
and it was wild. They had twin buck fawns. One mama was given mineral and all full nutrition from the time the buck, the fawns were in the womb. Mm -hmm. The other wasn't given mineral at all. He was given high protein feed, but no mineral. Right. Buck A was 210 at six years old, I think. Buck B was 170. Still a stud, but he ain't no 210. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's significant. Yeah. And so we've really noticed a difference on our property. I mean, we had good genetics, but never really pushing, you know, the envelope of like, you know, big shooters every right. year. So when you explain all this, yeah, we're talking now about planning in the spring. Yep. And then what I'm used to, and that we kind of said off mic, just to make sure I was knew what I was half-ass talking about, mm-hmm. planning for your fall plots. Yes. So your spring plots versus your fall. Yep. And we'll go over that. Yeah. Just make sure you break those down for us because I'm, I, like I said, I will not know when to stop you. No, so. you're good. Starting out kind of like the terminology of everything. When I, a, a food plot is something that's going to feed, feed the herd. Your, your deer herd is going to feed your deer hood, herd. That really starts at five acres and bigger. Anything less, what well, you can call them a lot of, some people call them honey holes or kill plots. Sure. That's, I, I look at that as anything five acres and less. That means if the, the you're you're adding to the deer's nutrition, you're not supplying it. We'll get into some of the nutritional values later, but if you give me a 10-acre plot on 80 acres, you could almost keep every deer full. See, I also feel like that's kind of a hard thing to do, especially around here in Kansas. Like, there are fields everywhere, mm-hmm. corn, beans, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. How are you bringing those deer to your food plot versus them going to that bean field or that corn field. Well, it's really, so, so the way I look at it is we're in the Midwest here. Deer really, it helps if they've got more nutrition, more nutritious food, but they really don't need a whole lot of food, you know, May to October. They've got, like you just said, the corn, the beans and everything on the flip side after November, they don't have anything. They have they don't have anything to eat because most they, of it's cut. Most of it's gone. The new combines they're running ninety two to hundred. Sorry, ninety two to ninety nine percent efficiency. There's is that the yield? That's that's what they're sucking in. So they're not dropping. You know, back in the eighties and nineties, if a, if a combine hit eighty five percent, what's the joke? What's what's the, the gleaner? This the old silver yeah, cedar. I yeah. that, that's so that that's, is a hunter's it, best friend. Especially, the especially the states where you can't whatever supplement with corn or whatever the case yep. may be a gleaner is your best friend no yeah it, it plants and harvests at the same time um but Double so whammy yeah by gleaner exactly no they're great combines they are but um so i look at it 12 months out of the year in the spring i'm focusing on overall health in the fall we're gonna feed them because they don't have a whole lot of food all those crop fields are gone the hay's not growing so it's like you just said, spring and fall, is that where you kind of get into your like annuals versus your perennial? Yep. Okay. So break, dumb it down. I know you sure. know a lot more than the average guy. So break it down what an annual is versus a perennial when you're planting this one versus that one. Yep. So, so a perennial, once it's so, so a perennial. That that's a it comes back every year. So in the winter, so it, it depends on what they are, but typically they go dormant in the winter okay. and they'll come back the next year. So example, uh, clover, uh, 
Some clovers, yes. So like Landino clover is an annual, but you get something like uh, Balanza, Balanza clover, okay. or Crimson clover, you can get perennials. They'll keep coming back every year. Mm-hmm. So typically annuals are a lot faster growing. Perennials, they grow roots first, and so you're not going to see as much top growth. So your typical quote-unquote kill plot, mm-hmm. is that an annual a lot of the times I run, I, I like annuals because I'm coming back in, in our system. I want it to be dead by springtime so I can get ready for my spring plot. Cause I'm overseeding, overseeding my plots. Basically I'm planting my plots twice a year. Okay. And so I don't want something that's going to come back year after year. Cause then it's just harder to kill that next year. So what is, what's the guy typically planning for his kill plot? So his kill plot, um, we run a lot of Eagle seed stuff and we've had great luck with it. Your kill plots. I like any good mix like the smorgasbord basically, but, and there's a lot of places out there. Just wh- whoever you buy seed from buy high quality seed. Sure. Um, just look at that seed label and you can send a message to us and we'll take a look at it. Um, but high quality seed, he's running a lot of brassicas like turnips sure. and that kind of thing. Sure. And then, um, I actually throw in a Ford soybean or an Austrian winter pea because the deer will pick those. They're selective browsers, so they'll pick out what's the what know, what's the best, what they like what they or like. what is most productive at that time of year. Yeah, exactly. So like they'll pick out what's most productive in the soybeans. The uh, sorry, they're different than like the row crop beans, but the uh, Eagle forage beans, they're, they're like 25% sugar with 42% protein. So they're going to pick that out. But what you do in the smaller plots is I add a little bit of that. So the deer hammer those. And by the time they're done picking out those soybeans, then everything else has had a chance to get off the ground. Okay. Okay. So you can play with your mixes like that. And that's what I think Eagle does a great job with. And I really like the Eagle broadside. So like we can go and this and when guys were talking about the fall plots right now because typically your kill plots are going to be you're going to plant those really in the fall. Um, plant, so so when when are you for the fall plot? What August? It's sixty days before your first. Um, and really you can't go off the calendar. You want to go off a of rain weather. The calendar gets you close. And I always tell people... Get you in a ballpark. Yep, 45 to 60 days before the first frost. Our first frost averages um, October 16th. Sure. So I'm always going... I start looking to plant August 15th and just plant it around a rain. Okay. So like one of my favorites... Mid-August, around... Yep, around a rain. Precipitation. And I've I've even gone to plant like... um, First of September is a good one. Labor Day is a great one. But so when we're on the fall plots, on the kill plots, something like we just talked about the time release stuff. So they're not all hammering it at once. Um, actually, the plot that I shot my buck out of this year was a broadside plot. And so what it does is the forge peas, just like I just talked about, I like to mix the forge peas or forge beans. Sure. In first, they hammer that first. While they're hammering that, the radishes and the the winter wheat is is having a time to establish itself. Sure. And there's turnips. So then you got everything. Basically, the point behind broadside is there's something peaking in protein and sugar content every three weeks. So for a guy who's not, let's say, not really familiar with eagle seed, mm-hmm. if it's, I don't know, 
big time, for example, is yeah. that just like their mix that has it's not just it's not just winter peas or not just turnips. It's kind of a yep. m- a mixed bag. It's a blend. Of, yes. of, it's a blend of yep. certain things that <clears throat> coexist almost and work together while one thing's growing. This is taking longer, but this is getting eaten, so it has time to grow here. Yes. Okay. So it's it's their mixed bag is what you're saying when you're at broadside yeah broadside and there's a ton of different blends in here sure depending on what you want and one thing how how do you determine i, I hate to cut you but i'm gonna no, have, i'm gonna cut you a lot with questions you're good how do you determine which of these blends if it's eagle seed or big tiner whoever it is how do you determine which blend is going to be most suitable or best for you um, if I, you've never done it before, you know what I mean? Like, what do you need to stick to that is going to be most beneficial for you and the deer that is going to keep those deer coming back? Yep. So I like a blend that's got, and just speaking on Eagle, cause that's where the most yeah, uh, familiar true. with. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what the deer are going to like, cause like I've had deer not eat turnips before and I've had a perfect looking turnip field in December and I'm like, well, it's, you don't like it because it hasn't been eaten. Right. And so it just depends on what you're going to like. I I would go with a mix that's got a lot of stuff in it. So smorgasbord, it's got the the radishes, rapeseed, kale, collards, rye, and uh, wheat, oats, clover. And you're getting a whole, that's why they call it the smorgasbord. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag. And so um, that's really, really... I would go with the most stuff. Brassicas are pretty easy to grow. Sure. I would just pick with something really easy to grow. Your clovers, I'd stay away from oats. Um, Forge wheat's really good. I mean, mean, like any sort of forage wheat or cereal rye. So how important is that soil test and getting that the fertility, I guess, right? Am am I saying that right? Yeah. Asking that? Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're getting it right. Soil tests are free. You just have to send in a bag to any local extension all the way across, ag extension all the way across the country. Mm-hmm. I send in a bag and they don't, they don't want a whole lot of soil at, at a time. They'll just, you know. Enough. Enough. But it's also important to get it from each plot. So if you're doing five or six plots, you need to send it in because it will be different. And when what they're going to do is they're going to give you your soil pH which you want to be as close to the magic number of 6.5. You want to be over six. So the difference between five and six yeah. is a hundred percent less acidic. Six, 6.0 is a hundred percent less acidic than 5.0. So NPK, what does that mean? So NPK is the amount of fertilizer you're going to basically <clears throat> is the amount of fertilizer types and percentages to get that ground to good growing conditions. So nitrogen. Yep. Potassium. Potassium. Phosphorus. Okay. Yep. So what then what you're going to do is, and what you, you tell them to figure out your MPK or your, we'll call it your fertilizer requirement. Sure. You tell them what you're going to want to grow. Now, whenever I sell seed or do food, you know, I, I, we, if I sold you seed, I would tell you, Hey, you know, fertilizing is huge. If you're going to spend the money and the time to put in a food plot mm-hmm. and you don't fertilize or even know what your um, soil uh, pH level is, yeah, you're wasting your time. You got to go straight off the soil. There's a couple ways you can tell. Um, like if you see CRP, it's really overgrown. Mm-hmm. 
and this is mainly just for like for around here i've noticed it and this is all localized the best way is again you put a ziploc bag take it to your extension office they do it for free you get the results they tell you everything i can tell you how low it i can tell if a ground's low like a pasture is low ph yeah but i can't give you like i can't give you what what it's going to need for fertilizer so like if i see certain weeds growing in a field mm-hmm I can tell you right now, like, well, that weed can't grow unless it's super acidic. So like we were dealing with on a, on like my favorite, one of my pieces that I love that I hunt. Sure. When we first got there is 5.5, which what that affects is the lower your pH is, the, the less the plants can actually take up the nutrients. So I could throw two that, let's say I throw 2000 pounds of fertilizer out there. Mm-hmm. The plants are really only getting 500 of it. Because the soil's so acidic, the plants can't utilize that fertilizer. It, it can only take up what it can take. It, it can only take point. up what it can take. So, so that's a hundred percent. You get, you get your um, pH right, and you do that with lime. If there's any way you can get somebody to spread it, where you can buy bulk. So what I do, any ag co-op. We'll sit there. They can rent, they'll rent you out buggies, sixty bucks a day. Usually, mm-hmm. you have you do have to track have a tractor to pull it. And I get them somebody. Well, you know, there's a lot of quarries around that'll deliver you bulk lime. Sure, just have them deliver it, load up my buggy, and go. That way, when I'm doing like a half acre plot, man, I make one pass through there and I'm done. Yeah, because a half acre plot isn't going to need near as much as a. 20 acre plot you know what i mean yeah like it's just it, the area you're covering yeah it's the same percentage so uh, i don't like using generalizations because then people aren't going to get their soil tested but you're going to throw down basically one ton to three thousand pounds per acre to raise it one point of soil acidity so i had to throw it so we, now that we, is down to a number ain't yeah. it yep so when we were at and this is all what we were told they were like hey you're at 5.5 you need three thousand pounds of lime per acre get you to the 6.5 to get me to 6.5 and i can tell you the difference when we finally got our ph right it was night and day different yeah and i don't doubt it i mean it just because and we didn't have to throw as much fertilizer down right i was throwing fifteen hundred dollars worth of fertilizer down now i'm down to seven hundred dollars so okay i'm gonna try to keep this podcast from going to three to five hours because i know we can go there going this deep into it let's say you got a piece you're doing you got the acidity level right. Yep. It's now. It's spring. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like, what are you about to start doing for A, yourself, or B, customers? So we are putting down right now for the 90 percentile, we're doing um, the Eagle Forge beans. So yeah. these are special beans, and I they are a soy soybean, but they were designed, one, as a forage for, like, feed cattle. For silage. Sure. And the way they cut and bale it. Um, also, these were a catch crop. So down south, they had a lot of problems with hogs. So they needed far they Eagle came up with it with a soybean. Soybean that had so much sugar in it, the leaf was naturally high sugar, naturally high protein, so animals would like it. And farmers, let's say they would take their quarter section of ground, their 140, they would plant 10 acres of this, these forage beans on one end towards the woods so those wild hogs would tear up those 10 acres and not get the rest of their keep, money beans. keep them out of the rest yep and so that's what they designed and so just you're running 
I mean, these will get six foot tall. Some get seven foot tall. Wow. You get seven foot tall. Leaves are about as big as your hand. And so the reason we're planting them is they have 46% um, 46 protein in the leaf. I'm not even talking about the pods that they produce because they are soybeans. They produce pods. Right. So this is kind of, I'll walk you through like our yearly system, how we do it. And for weed control, for weed control, we go, we, I want something growing 12 months out of the year in that soil. So I never want a time when it's just going to sit bare dirt because then that time nature doesn't want anything bare. You're going to get more problems getting stuff you don't want to grow as much. as So I always try and get something cooking in there. Right. You don't want just some, you don't want mother nature taking its course pretty much on no. the dirt that you're working so hard yep. to produce and it end up being some shit weed that you don't want in there yeah exactly you could get mare's tail in there then you spend then you spend six months trying to kill it mm -hmm. um so i'm all no-till so i run a big no-till drill and it's just it's so much easier for me in doing this just for our application doing the from the weed control side okay so i do no no uh, no-till and so what we're doing is we're planting all these forage beans and the difference is the kind of the main benefit is i'm trying to in the springtime i am trying to pack as much per, uh, tonnage, so anything green from a deer can reach six, seven foot tall, we'll say. Sure. Six foot, let's say right. six foot tall. I'm trying to pack as much food from six foot tall, six foot off the ground to the floor. And this is all for hunting clients, correct? Yes, all hunting okay. clients. Okay. These are all hunting clients. Yes. And so we are trying to pack as much food for the deer from six foot and under. And, but the thing is, the, what the other thing we're planning, and we have a hard cutoff. If for cl for clients and everything, if it's if the plot is less than five acres, sure. If you want us to do the the eagle forage beans, that's the best food plot out there. We've tried everything for deer attraction and nutrition. I mean, like I was telling you, and I showed you my trail camera pictures. I've got two year old does that look pregnant in yeah, September. It speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean they're like our yearlings are big, like big bodies. Sure, and um. Because we have so much food down there for them, and they're eating, you know, extremely high protein food. Right. But if it is less than five acre food plot, you have to, and you're going to put these forage beans in. They were designed as a catch crop, and deer will find them. You have to electric fence it for the first eight weeks. So, okay, where well, you're talking for a customer, if I came to you with my situation, mm -hmm. and I'm like telling, it's a kill plot is what it would be. Hundred percent, it's a great kill plot. Are you still doing this perennial or are you just going to wait till the right weather and whenever, let's say mid August, mm -hmm. are you just doing a kill plot for me or are you going to put in these beans that you're talking about? So if you said that you were going to on half acre, I, I would have a hard time. I, I would, I mean, I'll plant whatever for anybody, but. I would have a hard time. It'd be really good. You would have to electric fence it. We'd plan it probably Memorial Day, and you're going to electric fence it till mid July because wow, because them deer will. I, I've I'll tell you a quick story. So I got a I planted a food plot for uh, it's about six acres. Okay, for a guy about six acres for a guy, and this is before this is our first year running eagle beans, and I knew and this is like. This time of year? Yes. So we spring. We got it in about the week before Memorial Day in May. Mm -hmm. 
then we just had perfect weather. It was a couple of years ago, just perfect growing weather, timely rains, and it was it was warm but not hot. Right. The guy calls me, probably August, because hey, those beans never came up, and I was like, I planted seven acres, and you're just now calling me that nothing came out of the ground. And I'm thinking somebody sprayed something, like a farmer. Right, something like we happened. Had, yeah, we had sprayed drift or whatever. Well, I drive out there, and they came up. They're gone. And they were eight-inch tall twigs. No leaves <laughs> on them. And I go... Oh, they came up. I go, have you checked that trail camera? And he goes, no, I actually forgot I put that there. He checked it, and we had about 32... One picture, we had 32 deer in seven acres. Now... There were grazing. There were the so it was a full the section of ground is a full section of ground, six hundred and forty sure. acres. Four hundred of that is row crop beans. They walked across the normal row crop soybeans and mowed this off like a like a hay baler. And so that's what I always tell people. I go, if you're we you can run these small plots and they can be really effective. But I what I would do for you is I would electric fence it and I would probably tell you they're not going to get as tall as they normally would, but I'm going to double plant them, double the amount I would run instead of drilling 50 pounds per acre. I'm going to drill 80 to a hundred pounds per acre mm -hmm. so it can withstand that deer pressure. The more deer pressure you have, like if you're in central Missouri where they have a ton of deer, yeah, you're going to need to, you're going to need to account for that. You right. know, everything's different. It's situational. It's situational. So I would do that. And then I would also come back through, because I think you give that, I think you give those deer two months and about October, they would have that, they would have the forage beans mowed off, sure. which is good because you're, again, you're planning it for them to eat. And if they want to eat all of it, they can eat all of it. But we're going to come back in, in the fall and plant something like smorgasbord or broadside right into it. So then what you do is you'll have the beans that potted out. So you'll have actual soybeans for them and you'll have smorgasbord mix or a brassica mix coming up from underneath. So you've got both. You've got the hard grains that they need for like the carbs and everything when it sure. gets cold. Then you also have the protein of something green growing. So are your spring plots typically easier to grow than your fall plots just oh, because harder. harder? Yeah. It just makes me wonder with all the rain you're getting, mm -hmm. planting in August, those fall plots I'm talking about, a lot of it is based around water. Yeah. If you can't get water, you're not going to get the food plot you want. I just feel like in the spring, I feel like you're getting so much rain. Yeah. I but, feel like it just helps. It, it'll take off. Yeah. We'll get, it'll, it'll take off, but then it gets hit really hard in July. End of June, July. So it's hard. It's easy to grow, but it's hard to keep it. Is that fair to say? Yeah. They get like, like this year, last year we had the worst year for food plots we ever, cause we, again, we didn't get any rain for two to three months last year. Yeah, it was jacked. And we had all of our beans come out of the ground to about calf high. Mm -hmm. And then they all died. Because we, again, they just... The heat, it cooked yeah, the, it. the heat cooked them. Mm -hmm. And so I... But the fall mixes, they all came up. I mean, fall mixes are pretty... They're pretty hard to mess up. Okay. Yeah. And so... Because most of the fall mixes, they do just as well broad... I, I drill everything because you can get a little bit better German. I can control where it goes a little better. Sure. But you can broadcast... Um, anything. And, and again, I don't want, I don't want somebody to say, well, I don't have a tractor. I don't have a drill. I don't have this. I don't have that. I can't get this done. You can get this done in any way possible. It's just, I, you know, with, with that, the right pH levels. Yes. 
Yes, that's a hundred percent. Um, because it, and if you're not, I mean, if you don't have your pH right, you're gonna have to throw your fertilizer cost because you're just gonna be shooting shooting. In you're the shooting dark. in the dark. It, yeah, yeah. You're you don't know what you're doing. You're throwing this. Whether I don't know if it's a like a ten ten ten, hoping like oh maybe this helps gets it leveled or yeah. if you have no idea what you're throwing or how much lime you need or shoot not throwing lime at all yeah and I always tell people and it's a pretty good deal it's really expensive and it but it's it's the way if you're if you tell me I didn't get a soil test but I want something up I'm gonna plant next week and I don't have time to get the soil test because lime takes three months to change the pH okay so we're always lime in fields in November okay we always lime the fields in November um just so they're ready to go for the spring for the following yeah for the following spring so what you would do is you try and find triple 19 or triple 13 so like a 13 13 13 yep and you're gonna throw down 400 pounds per acre wow yeah yep you're throwing 400 pounds per acre so 200 pounds at a half yep jesus yeah and that's just a shot in the dark but if you let's say you're let's say even if you got halfway decent ph you got your ph enough up higher than six you might only need 200 can you tell if it's higher than six by just looking at something no no it's got to be on the test you can only tell if it's really bad you're good but you're not that good no i'm not that good (laughs) and um so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna get all the all the forage beans put off the ground um and if you're in a part of a country like we're gonna go just a what we were talking about for the forage beans showing you how much food you can really put down. This is a, like a food saver. And so you got your money saver to see the benefit of putting, if you can grow these beans sure. of what they can really do to for you. So like I said earlier, they put down up to 10,000 pounds of tonnage of food from six foot to the ground for deer per acre. That ex- off the soybeans. Yeah, off the, off the forage beans, yes. Forage beans. Off the forage beans, um, like we plant the variety multi-max, and we've had great luck with them. Mm-hmm. They come out about six, up to six foot tall, um, and all, the, and they up to six foot tall, really, really bushy, all the leaves. So that acre is going to, with fertilizer and my glyph, because they are Roundup ready, and that means that they are glyph, glyphosate tolerant. So that's what makes them super nice for me. I can come over the top of them with my sprayer spray roundup twice on them to really keep the weeds to stump right, the weeds but keep the beans growing yeah so that eight thousand pounds of tonnage with that 46 percent protein you are putting 3680 pounds of straight protein per acre for those deer god that, that that's some dude those are some numbers yeah yeah and you're throwing that and that's just in the leaves that's not even i always i love that they produce pods but I'm growing them for the leaves and whatever they produce for pods. The pods a bonus. The pods are a bonus for late season bonus. Yep. And so we just looked up some numbers of like probably one of the most popular protein feeds right now. If you're going to buy it, they sell it in 50 pound bags running out of your feeders. Okay. At, running out of your feeders, um, like a protein pellet. You're going to be, if you are going to want the same amount of protein and mineral for these deer and you were, but you didn't want to plant it and you wanted to run it out of a feeder. Yeah. It would cost you $7,700 per acre. Out of a feeder. Out of a feeder. And that's a lot of times. Versus going in the ground. Going in the ground. My, my ground per acre is $305 cost. Now I didn't, 
figure diesel fuel or gas for the right, sprayer, right, but anything right. like that. But let's even add another hundred dollars for diesel fuel or two hundred dollars. We'll go, we'll go, it cost me five hundred dollars per acre. We're still seventy two hundred dollars cheaper. Like we we're lucky we're in we're in crop country. We got big CR we just all we did was for ours. A lot of most of the time when I'm putting in food plots, I'm doing a reclaimed pasture. It's CRP ground. Mm-hmm. So I go I go into a property like the one you were showing me. Mm-hmm. The grass is shoulder high mm-hmm. and we're reclaiming CRP. We're back. Perfect. So so like we were um you, before, pee, you peed. I didn't pee. Yeah. I'll probably have to pee in like 10 minutes, but we're going. <laughs> so before a break, we were just talking about like how most of them that I, you know, when somebody calls me out, how we want to do a food plot around here, we don't have a whole lot of big timber. Sure. So it's mainly CRP with wooded creek bottoms. So I'm rolling up to it. And I usually see an acre to 10 acres of overgrown CRP that they're wanting to turn back into production. This is how I would do it. The worst, this is from experience. The worst thing you can do is plow that ground. Really? Because CRP, it's got grass, it's got weeds, it's got everything. Everything's got a seed head. So if you turn that soil, it's probably, there could be seed in the ground from 50 years ago. That you've never seen. That you've never seen. And as soon as you turn it, you know, you're flipping the soil, disking it, plowing it. You're going to release that seed bed. Right. You have no idea what you're going to get. What you're seeing that is standing six to eight feet tall that you think you're going to be fighting once you turn that ground up, you could be fighting a whole nother animal that you've yep. never seen before. Don't know what it is. Yep. And you, then you're wondering why this is coming up versus not my, my plot. Exactly. And I always tell people, unless a plot is roundup ready, like, like the forge beans we were talking about, you have a drag race between what you're trying, your food plot and the weeds. And the weeds are very, very fast. With broadcasting, you want re- you want the seed to touch the ground, like it has to get good seed soil contact. Right. And if there's a, a thick stand of grass there, maybe only a quarter of it actually made it to the ground, and it could have been eaten by mice, it, birds, and, and and it was dirt. Like it was very tall when I was cutting it. So mm-hmm. like I I used a buddy's mower and cut it on like whatever three or four inches doesn't matter. Got to the point where I had the deck down and mm-hmm. it was it ended up being pretty much dirt yeah when i was done mowing it and you that's what, what you mean? want yep so how i would have so kind of my way of doing it i would have came there that pro- i would have probably gone the second week of second week of but really i might have waited a little longer from when july like or, third third week August. third week of july i would have came in there to mow it or to mow it okay so i would have mowed it all down I come with a brush hog. I sure. mow it twice, and I get I get it just like you're talking about scalping it on the ground. Yeah, scalping it, perfect. Yep. And then I come, I come back two weeks later because I want that plant to start regrowing. Because that's when what you cut. Yeah, or? what I cut because uh-huh. that's when it's the easiest to kill is when it's actually regrowing. Mm-hmm. Then I would have nuked it with like a rat, like a I use Ranger Pro, sure. which which is just a uh, Roundup concentrate, and so it's like it's forty two percent active ingredient Roundup, and it goes. I don't have to use a whole, it's use the active rate that's on the, right. The instructions use that. I come, that's my burn down kill and I'll even put some two four D in it. Okay. But the problem with, you got to read the chemicals. So if you're buying a straight roundup, like a Ranger pro where there's a million of them, 
But if you're buying a straight Roundup, you can plant, because Roundup's a contact killer. Mm-hmm. If you're going to broadcast, I wouldn't broadcast with Roundup. I would wait two weeks. So from your spray to your planting, if you're broadcasting, I would wait two weeks. But Roundup can't kill what's not there. So what I can do, what I can do with some of them is it all depends. I can, I can drill, I can drill ground and then spray right over the top of it and it will not hurt what's coming up because my, my seeds in the ground, my sprays hitting the plants on top and all that. So we're good there. Hitting the surface. Hitting the surface. And that's kind of what I do on an already established plot. I'll go run through planet. Then I'll burn down what's there. And sure. then it's one sh- shot. I load up on the trailer and I'm gone. Yeah. But what I would do on yours. So I come back two weeks later, burn it down, wait for a rain. And then I'm going to throw down fertilizer and plant my seed right then. Probably 10 days, 10 days minimum after I spray. That's when I'll plant a new, a new plot. Cause I want to make sure everything's dead. Yeah. And then that's basically on the fall plots. None of those are Roundup ready or glyphosate tolerant. Sure. So you're, again, you're running a drag race. And if, if who's going to choke out who first, the weeds or the food plot? Right. Because once, so, you know, plants need sunlight to grow. Once your food plot um, gets tall enough where it's leafing out and it can shade the ground, right. you're not getting weeds through it. So, but if the weeds come up before the food plot, then they're going to choke out, outcompete all of the food plot. That's why getting your pH is so, so important because if you get your pH right and you fertilize right, the sky's the limit. Oh yeah. Point. Because that, that's giving your food plot. Weeds, weeds are tougher than anything you're trying to plant. Right. And they're, they grow faster and they're tougher. So you got to give your food plot of the best chance it can to get out of the ground. If you do it right in the beginning yes. with killing the weeds, you know, getting your pH right. All you're doing is, all you're doing is, is giving your food plot the most potential. Yes. And then I try and have something that's, I'll do brassicas and, but I want some sort of cereal grain, like a cereal rye. Now, not perennial rye, not annual rye. Those are grasses. I want a cereal rye, oats, wheat, winter wheat. Winter wheat's a great one because it's really easy to grow. And thinking about like what I want with like, let's say that half acre Mm -hmm. kill plot. Do you, do you think it's better to go with clover or do that mixed bag kind of like you're saying where it has those things that can be eaten early seasons but also still benefit them in the late season? So clover is really nice because it's kind of a year-round catch-all. I would do— Even that late? Yeah, so I would— still clover still a viable option? Yeah, so I would plant, I would plant a mix that has one or two— like Eagles, a real popular one's Eagles top five yeah. clover. And that is like we talked about in any of my mixes, I want something like any of my fall mixes. Sure. I want something that grows really fast that the deer are going to really key in on. And then I want something, you know, three or four things that are going to run a little slower, to, a little slower to develop. So you're not putting all the pressure on one thing real right. quick. So, um, 
You're given one time while the other ones. Yes, one's taking. Act- one's active right now, and one's not active. Yep. So one's taking the beating, um, and I like like again, this top five is an annual, so you got to plant. You do have to replant it every year, but something like this down here, like like these like Landinos, Landino yeah. clovers, that white clover people see all the time. That's a really good perennial. But I would go, there's mixes like Clover Keeper like that we sell that has some fast-growing clover. Sure. And that's an annual, so it's going to be dead after the first year. Sure. But most clover plots, you can't judge on the first year because they, they gl- clover grows really slow. Like this Landino is going to grow really slow. It's probably, it's, you know, really high protein and bushy. So is there a mix out there where I'm getting clovers but also getting those, like, Example winter peas. Yeah, so that that um, where that, they're both germinating, but one's just taking longer than the other. While this mm-hmm. one's getting hammered, this one will come up. Yeah, because I guess, and I I do not know enough about food plots and the seeds and all that to say, but like what I tried was like a big time mm-hmm. product and good products. Yeah, you know, I've heard yeah really good things about them. I just honestly didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't put any of the clover in the ground but i tried like something that would go like mid-season into late mm-hmm. and once again it just never took off because i'm sure i did something wrong but like i'm just i guess I, i'm planning something that's going to have clover and something that's going to go into those late seasons like winter peas yeah so so you could go with like the buffalo fall blend is a great one it's got clover brassicas and a cereal rye in it which um, cereal rye will give you so much cover for it. Cereal rye can outcompete weeds, sure. And so you're by the springtime, you won't have to worry about that. But yeah, so like I would go again with a good mix that has you know, like we were just talking about with like the smorgasbord is a really good one because then you have eleven different you know plant species in that mix. Sure. If one doesn't come up, you got ten more. That's yeah. Look at it that way. If you got. 11 in the ground and three don't come up well there's still eight more to come up so if you plant just let's say two and one then you know what i mean if one doesn't come up well then you only got one shot like if something takes it takes if it doesn't try to find out why if not yeah because if you're looking for a perennial like something you're really not gonna have to mess with each year you know i go straight to clover is that fair to say like that is the only and honestly the only thing in my mind you may know more but when I think of perennial, something you're not going to have to mess with, clover. Yeah, clover, you're just going to have to like mow light. it. Mow it, then light. And you're, all you're doing when you're mowing it is making it more uh, tender. You're making the shoots uh, more soft, softer for, sure, the, for the deer. Sure. And you're just re- you're going to reseed it maybe every third year. Yeah. And that's all you do. And, and by reseeding it, you're overseeding it. You're just running a broadcast spreader over the top. Or. Are one of those, so I know how you like, like you got like your mix back if it does have clover and then other seeds in it. If you don't go that route, if you do strictly clover or strictly a winter pea, mm-hmm. are one of those two got a better chance of taking off? Uh, Yeah, the cloak, winter peas are And I'm so sure it depends on when it is also planted because I'm sure you're not planting clover in August. 
Ye- no, I really don't. I I like to frost seed most of my clover. And I've heard a lo- I've heard a lot about frost seeding too, mm-hmm. and or snow seeding clover is really good too. Because um, yeah, because yeah, once that snow melts or once once the frost the ground thaws out again, it'll suck the seed right in. Like again, I, I keep going back to either broadside or smorgasbord. Sure, but I mean, I showed you a which pic- are those mixed bags. Yes. Yes. For a guy who's who's not running Eagle Seed, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a mixed bag so you can get... And guys, we're just using that because that is what he uses. That's who he... That's what he works with. He's very familiar with it. And when he's using those terms, it, it's a mixed bag. Like yes. I, like, I'll say it again. Smorgasbord, here we go, contains protein-packed radishes, rapeseed, kale, collards, rye, buck monster, forage wheat, ES black oats, high tonnage clover... Quick growing, am I saying that right? Bursine? Yeah. Bursine clover and an early spring growing clover. So when you say clover, if people use clover as just like a, like a throw all, there's over, there's dozens of types of clover and they all do different stuff. Right. And one's probably, they probably all have, they're like spotlight. You know what I mean? One's probably meant more for, here but one's probably meant more for here but if you're getting a variety of this this and that one's bound to take off even if you do not know exactly which one it's meant to be wow that's beautiful that's, so that is that's where i shot my buck and that is a a one it's basically it's like a 16th of an acre maybe maybe a little more cuz that is 52 yards 52 yards long and about 20 or 15 yards wide. It's just a little strip. You know what? I'm putting my foot down. You're not allowed back on the podcast unless <laughs> I have one of these come this deer season. Yep. And so, but and that, that's just like something like it's a kill plot at that point. If I could get a, it's probably, if I had to do it, just thinking about where I know it's probably 80 yards by 25 to 30 is what the area that's a perfect is. kill plot and and that's what i want too is like i honestly don't have everything i hunt is least it's permission mm-hmm. you know it's private but it's permission and it's not mine and i've cleared it with them to do these things with it like yeah do whatever you want but I just, I don't have like that own property. Like if I had my own ground, mm-hmm. sure, I would go crazy and do yeah. the biggest, baddest food plot I could, but that's not what I got. And just where I want to do, I want to pretty much do something that gives me an edge because mm-hmm. we've had that talk, you know, talking about corn and whatnot. And I'm not knocking a single guy who no. hunts over a feeder because I do it myself. Now there are places that I do not hunt over a feeder, but where I'm specifically talking at with you on this piece, there is a feeder there. Mm-hmm. And it's a 1,200-pound boss buck feeder, and usually it is full of corn. My whole argument with that is the neighbor has one. So if yeah. you – everyone around here hunts over corn, majority. I, 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 I'd I say it's fair to say that. There's a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't have one, well – they're just going to go here. So my whole thought is I want to have the feeder, sure, to compete with these guys, but I also want to give it something that they don't. 
and a lot around yeah. me is that kind of creek timber that you're talking about. Like it's not like huge timber by any means, but mm-hmm. there's decent amount of timber on two sides of me and the other two sides are what I'm on and most of it's CRP and then it goes down. But I just want to give my property something that's going to give them a reason to come around. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Not yeah. just stop by when they feel like hitting my feeder or, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Because you're giving them actually, you know, minerals and uh, protein and everything. Corn tastes really good to them, and it, but it's really high in carbs. Sure. So when it's brutal cold in the wintertime, they're going to go after the hard grain. Yep. Like corn, soybeans. And even like that, planting something that's going to get them coming around more during season, even mm-hmm. after like a huge, um, I don't know what the word is, but like a huge pro to it is mm-hmm. like, think of like shed season. Yeah. If you got like a late season plot that gives those deer a reason to come around and you're giving them a food source. 100%. You can make, if you are one of those guys, you know, who want to find sheds to a buck or B buck, whatever it is, can make that a lot easier too. If you can keep those deer around your property versus going across the fence to here or the neighbors here, you know, hundred percent. But that's pretty much the game plan that, you know, the whole, just kind of wrapping up here, but the whole, whole point of this is put the time in before, put the time in before get, find your numbers, get your numbers right. And just find a mix that's going to, like in your area, if you don't have a whole lot of cr- like crop fields around you, if you're not in a huge ag area, you'll need to focus on more year-round food. Sure. Where, where we're trying to, we do put the spring food plots in, like the forage beans in to really up the deer herd. But really, I'm, I always make sure I've got some food for them late October, November through January. Sure. Definitely. What else you got? Not a whole lot. You killed it. <laughs> you know what? I'm so sold on this podcast. I'm going to call my guy up right now. Get him set up. Let's see here. Let's see if he answers the phone. Oh, shit. Look at there. It's <laughs> ringing, dude. All right, guys. I think that covers it. Yeah. We're good? We're good. All right, guys. I appreciate you listening to this week's episode of the Midwest Hines hunt podcast once again i'm your host braden tolls colton thanks for doing this with me man i really appreciate it yep thank you all right guys we will catch you next week we'll talk to you then I come up from nothing, I figured it out They say when I sing, I'm the voice of the South Get thanks to the Lord, cause I'm making it out I can't believe I'm living my dream Early morning flights, the skies are filled up with these whistling wings Sights that dreams are made of Look at God's creation Thus coming in as we struggle to load Kid number two is a hell of a load Shots going off like they dropping the hood It's so cold in my car, keeps sticking I'm being precise with the notes I'm picking My lead is true, so no duck, I'm missing Full choke, so I'm good at a distance I should a retake, I should a, I should a retake, I should a retake, I should a, I should a retake. Brush up the blind, ain't wasting no time, yeah, we gotta grind.